Josh, I'm adding this to the outline. Or no, that to... is the outline. Okay. All right. Josh is very sassy today. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, help me out. Was that sassy or not just now? No, I, I told you to send me your outline. And I meant like, send me like. I did. The intro and the outro. Because the rest of the show is mine. So I was going to write. So so good to someone tell me that he's not sassy right now. He's not sassy. He's just. I'm not sassy. I see how I want the show to go. Do I sound good to you, Josh? Yeah. All right, cool. I did the headphones and the mic. Look at Chris wired in. My guy. You just got to tell me once. No, I know. Sonone just, Sonone doesn't, he's not very direct. Like he, he, he's like, oh, Chris, I want you to sound good every week, but he doesn't tell you how to sound good. So I want to rewind something. He may be a little sassy here. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone, and I'm not going to talk anymore. Josh, your podcast today. All right. Thank you. <laughs> There's a weird energy in the room, as though we're actually in a room. No, we're ready to pod. You guys ready to pod? Thank you, Brendan, for handing it off to me. Um, but before I get started, I want to give a shout out to a good friend who I met up at Florida State. His name's Joe Mastro. Uh, his father passed away last week, and I thought a lot about him this weekend. Uh, we spent a lot of time hanging with his dad and mom at Parents Weekend up in Tallahassee. They were big FSU fans. So prayers to Joe and his family. Um, moving on, what a weekend for Florida State recruiting. The Florida State spring game was a huge success from a team and recruiting standpoint, but there was close to 100 recruits. If you followed Knowles 24-7 all week, we had a running visitor list. Um we haven't caught up with just everyone. I mean, it was, it was it was a busy day, but we wanted to get on this podcast and just give a recap of what went on. Um, for the most part, our visitor list did hold true. Um, we'll go over some of the notable no-shows and surprise visitors here in a second. But let me paint the picture of what Saturday looked like for those that weren't there. It really started about two weeks ago when Zach Blostein had an idea that he was going to get all the recruits to gather somewhere and tell them that we were going to take photos because recruits love to take their get their photo taken. So, of course, they were going to meet us there. Um, Zach got a graphic made of an overview map of the stadium, and he put a star by the unconquered statue. So kids that were coming to the stadium for the very first time would have an easy, easy meetup. Um, he ended up getting confirmation from a ton of kids and at this point, it was a Knowles 24-7 exclusive. Nobody else really knew about what was going on. That was until Nico Markiel, who, who did it with good intentions, tweeted out the, the graphic that Zach had been sending recruits only to his 10,000 followers. And, of course, our competition saw it, and they piggybacked off Zach's event. But nonetheless, did, did they ask, were they okay with our question asking over the weekend? Yeah, I think we asked enough questions. Okay, good. But nonetheless, this meetup really set the tone for the day uh, from a recruiting perspective, because uh, what Zach did was say, was tell the kids, hey, let's meet up at 2.30 or 3 o'clock at the Unconquered Statue and we're going to take photos. So 
there's this dead period going on where the coaches are not allowed to have any contact with recruits, none whatsoever. Recruits have to do this all on their own. So normally you'd have an inflow of recruits into the Moore Center. They'd all gather in the Moore Center. They'd go on tours. They'd do all this kind of stuff before the game. And then they'd all go sit with each other in the stands. Um, with no with, with the dead period going on, this wasn't able to, to be cultivated unless it happened in front of the stadium at the unconquered statue. So what you had going on was this really cool dynamic um, of Nico Markiel and Travis Hunter kind of being like the FSU recruiting staff. Um, let me bring Zach in here. You were talking with Nico all week. Did he have this plan? I mean, did he know that he was going to kind of be the Pied Piper yeah, we kind of talked, um, especially on that day where I did the podcast with him that night, mm-hmm. we spoke about, you know, the plan for this event and just how we were going to cultivate all these guys meeting up at the same time and, and just um, having all that talent in one place. And yeah, he kind of knew that he was going to be the um, the guy that was going to pin this thing all together and just have everyone there at the same time. So him tweeting that, you know, although it, it brought um, other media outlets there, it definitely helped getting a lot of um, a lot of the guys that I maybe didn't receive confirmation with to, to show up to that event. So it definitely helped. And he's, he's been, you know, he, he, he was a huge help as well as Travis Hunter, who also posted the graphic on Instagram and, and just th- those two definitely, definitely, um, you know, made this event just, you know, a huge success. Right. And we detailed this in the Knowles 24-7 recruiting scoop, but who was among that main group that really hung out together for, for two hours? The game started at 5 p.m. They were all there by 3 p.m. And then they all went in as a, together as a group. Who were some of the kids that were all hanging out together? Yeah, so, you know, um, obviously you had Travis Hunter and Nico Markule. And then in that original group, um, I would say it was headlined kind of by the 2023 defensive back class. Um, you had, you know, huge prospects like Tony Mitchell, who's a five-star number one cornerback in the country in the 2023 rankings. And you had AJ Harris, who's also a five-star and another guy that. And the number two really corner. Looked. So they had yeah, the number exactly. one corner, the number two corner. Yeah. And, <laughs> then and they, they had, had another five-star athlete, yeah. Treon Webb. At one point, Zach looks over at me. He's like, this is like this. These guys could start for like both secondaries in college, like right now, like just this group that's hanging out right here. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I think I took a photo and I was kind of like surprised by the, you know, the amount of talent um, that was just standing in front of me, especially in that that defensive back group. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. And another guy to mention is Avion Terrell, who's also like a high four star type. Mm-hmm. Um, that FSU absolutely loves kind of in that nickel spot. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're the, those guys all, all kind of formed together. And then um, running back Damari Alston also showed up. And there were other guys that I'm not mentioning, but that was the main group that was, you know, that stayed together for most of the day. Yeah, we have the uh, full list up on Knowles 24-7 if you guys want to go check that out. Uh, the weather, <laughs> the weather was terrible in Tallahassee all the way up until about three o'clock when it started to break, it was raining on and off. The recruits didn't seem to care. They were just grabbing ponchos, hanging out. None of them seemed to care that the weather was, was bad at all. Um, Chris, have you ever seen an event like this quite like this at Florida state? 
Well, we only lived through one pandemic really in our lives, so no. Um, it was cool. It, there was an energy. It was enjoyable to watch a couple guys who are committed to this place that really seem to have fully committed to themselves to it in the sense of leading the charge with Nico and Travis. And they weren't the only ones doing it, but they were clearly two leading that charge. You know, watching Nico get go get AJ Duffy, for example, and walking him over, I thought was, you know, that that's a hell of a statement. That's a guy who's going to get the guy who he's probably going to compete with here, presuming Duffy was to end up at FSU and being like, hey, come meet the group, come join us, do this. And I, I just, I don't know, there's something to it. There's great energy. Uh, there's a sense of momentum with that group. And I, I always think back to how is that group going to withstand what may come during the season? And I feel like the the bond, the relationships, the commitment to the university beyond just the football team, I, I feel like that's something that really matters. And it's going to help FSU when the going gets tough at times. And I, it just impressed me. And, yeah, the weather kind of stunk. I mean, we were all fairly soaked by the time we walked away from the statue, especially you two, you and Zach, Josh. Um, but, you know, it was worthwhile and it was enjoyable. And it, the recruits didn't seem to mind. No, they didn't. They were having a good time. They were hanging out. I had some good conversations with a couple of the kids that were there, a couple of the people that brought the kids there, met some of the guys that I've talked to either via DM or text message, you know, actually putting a face to the name type thing. That's mm-hmm. enjoyable. And having those conversations is always good. And the thing that just stood out to me was that it felt, it, it, for me, someone who, you know, I, I like recruiting. I've enjoyed covering it for a long time. But the last year, 14 months of it have been kind of dreadful. You know, yeah. everything's been electronic and that stinks. To have that feeling again of like, man, there's a ton of talent right here standing in front of me. Let us go get it, talk to it, find out what's going on. And to see it on campus at FSU as they're trying to reconstruct this roster, that that was thrilling. Yeah, it really was. I thought that it I guess we kind of forgot how boring and, and, and vanilla recruiting got during the pandemic for the last 12, 13 months. And just getting back out there, you could get the sense that none of these prospects felt like they were going through the motions. Like everybody was happy to be back out at a stadium at a football game um, with an atmosphere to it. And it just felt right. So Let's let's keep going. Let's get into some of the attendance notes and then we'll break down position by position some of the highlights. Um, first, notable no-shows. Of course, like I said, there was almost 100 prospects there. So, of course, some, some recruits aren't going to show up for various reasons. Some of the notable no-shows included three-star running back Jalen Glover, four-star offensive lineman Julian Armella, five-star cornerback Dion Bowie, four-star DB Trey Donaldson, five-star defensive end Shamar Stewart, four-star DB Antonio Kite, and five-star DB Cormani McLean. However, there was also some surprise visitors. Um, Not many because we did such a good job of confirming guys beforehand, but there were a few that snuck by us, including four-star linebacker Daniel Martin, four-star defensive end Quincy Wiggins out of Louisiana, and three-star guard Brad Harris, who came down from New Jersey. Um, I want to start at quarterback recruiting. Uh, Zach, you spoke to AJ Duffy, the, the, you spoke to him in the rain and the recording didn't come out. So we don't have an interview per se up there with quotes, but what was, what was AJ Duffy saying to you? Yeah. So yeah, the rain kind of prevented that one from happening, but 
AJ Duffy basically told me that. Wait, wait I'm sorry, just, Zach. What have the rain actually? Like, I didn't hear this. The rain like just ruined the audio, or did like fry your phone? No, no, no. It the rain stopped it from recording. Stopped the recording like midway through, like or like like early on. Like it hit the the rain was coming down so hard that it hit <laughs> the button and it stopped yeah. the actual recording. On the it app. happened to me when I was recruiting or interviewing Damari Alston, but the rain also turned it back on. So there was like a. a a gap in my audio. That's but crazy. Yeah. Also, the Demario Olsen trying to get a poncho for like 20 minutes and trying to like chase people down to find ponchos was like the <laughs> sneakily the best uh, moment of of the whole weekend. Uh, great underlying storyline. Sorry, Zach, cont- continue. True, true, true. Um, so yeah, with Duffy, he's, you know, he, he was scheduled to make a commitment um, to school early or late on in March. I think it was like the 31st or something. Um, that's no longer happening. He postponed that. And his first visit after that was um, to Florida State for the spring game. You know, he he enjoyed himself. He was hanging out with that big group um, that we mentioned earlier, you know, with Nico. And, you know, cool aspect of that whole, that whole um, group was that, you know, Nico being a quarterback, he didn't really shy um, away from just inviting Duffy into the group and you know, what, making him feel welcomed, even though he was already a quarterback that's committed to Florida State. He's not scared of the, you know, the competition between the two or anything along those lines. So that was kind of cool to see. And then, you know, Duffy says he's going to visit Michigan State next at the end of the month for their spring game. Mm-hmm. And there's two options um, that could that could come up after that. He'd either make a decision um, shortly after or he could, um, he mentioned he could take some summer official visits. Um, but but in my opinion, I think Duffy will probably make a decision shortly after that Michigan State visit. And, um, you know, I think Florida State's standing pretty well in this one. Obviously, Arizona State's the other factor here. Yeah, yeah and to, real quick to add on Duffy, Greg Biggins, who does a phenomenal job out West for us, he's consistently kind of boiled it down to a three-team race, which is Arizona State, Florida State, Michigan State. I think it's fair to say it was in that order prior to the FSU visit. I don't know where it may stand at this point. Yeah, and I agree with uh, what Zach said. I I don't think Duffy takes this into the summer. Um, <clears throat> spoke to a couple sources behind the scenes, and the feeling is he's going to take this Michigan State visit, and then I think a decision is going to come in a week or two after that, most, most likely. And Florida State has one spot. Just to, to reset it, Florida State has one spot remaining. They want to take two quarterbacks in this class. They want Nico Markiel and one other. Um, the other options are MJ Morris, who was also on campus this weekend, and Taven Jackson, who was not on campus this weekend, but told the great Steve Wilfong that he intends to take an official visit to FSU over the summer, most likely at the end of June. So it looks like A.J. Duffy is going to be the first quarterback on the board to make his decision out of the three that we just mentioned. I think he's going to make a decision here in the next probably three weeks. Then we got M.J. Morris, who I'm told uh, last night is going to take an unofficial trip to Nebraska in the next week or two. And then he's most likely expected to make his decision in May. So the way the dominoes fall, make it look like it's going to be A.J. Duffy going to make his decision first, then M.J. Morris. And then obviously Taven Jackson is a summer guy. I think ideally FSU would prefer to land AJ Duffy first, knock that out and complete their quarterback board. I think if, if Duffy decides to go elsewhere, 
you, you, you put the full court press on MJ Morris. I, I think they like him a little bit more than Taven Jackson. Taven, they probably want to see a little bit more of, maybe even get him to camp in the summer and see him throw in person. But the timelines match up perfectly for what FSU is looking for right now. I'm not saying that they're going to end up with their top choice in Duffy, but it, it's kind of fallen in, in that line. Um, the timelines are at least. Uh, Chris, how do you see, what do you think? What's your take on QB recruiting right now? I think you laid up perfectly. I mean, when Nico committed, I asked the question, who's on the board? How do the, how does the board set up? It's set up as Duffy, Morris, Jackson. So the fact that the timeline now falls into place perfectly for that is beneficial for FSU. They've wanted Duffy from the get-go. I think Duffy's probably the guy they valued the most at that position throughout this entire process, including Nico. So the fact they were able to get him back in, they have a good relationship with him, a good relationship with his father, which is important in the recruitment. The fact that he's now in the state of Florida at IMG helps to some degree. It's going to be an interesting one. If I put in a crystal ball a week ago, it would be for Arizona State at this point. I think mm-hmm. it's much more of a toss-up. Yeah, I think so too. Um, let's move on to the running back position. Zach, you you saw this one come in. You had a pre-write for it. Rodney Hill decommits from Virginia about a week ago and immediately the crystal balls start flying in to Florida state and you had good relationship with Rodney. He let you know what was going to happen. So explain what Florida state got on Saturday. Yeah. So a little backstory on this, like Thursday leading up to the spring game, he kind of let me know of his intentions to commit to Florida state. Um, And then we scheduled like to meet up with him at like, 2.30, so a little bit before everyone else is going to be there. We took photos, and then you had the cool idea of, you know, capturing the moment of when he actually committed, um, when he sent the tweet out um, of his commitment to Florida State. So that that also added another really cool aspect to, you know, to his special day. Um, But, yeah, Florida State's getting a guy that's a real speedster, um, you know, guy that's a legit um, track runner. Runs a hundred. I think he's also a, a specialist in the long jump. So he's a guy that is going to add, you know, a, a, a side of versatility to their their running back room. You know, I think Florida State goes and gets another guy that's more of a traditional running back. But I think they view him as, you know, not a guy that's going to um, play receiver and running back. He's going to be that main running back position for them. So I think he's definitely a, a guy they like a lot and. Um, a guy that has had significant per- production at the high school level at that position. Yeah. Right. I, I popped on his film on Saturday, right when mm-hmm. I got in the stadium, you know, with him committing, I'd watched it before when FSU got involved and Zach's done a good job of covering his decommitment from Virginia and the expectation that he was going to commit to FSU and then the follow through that he did. I like his film a heck of a lot. He's a versatile kid. Uh, good receiving back, but I do agree with Zach. He's more of a back than a receiver, but he can be used in a multitude of ways. I also really like that he's physical for the build that he has. He's not slim by any stretch. He is a bit tall and stretched out to some degree for a back, but he's very solid in the middle. Uh, I definitely think he's a kid that can finish runs effectively. I like him a heck of a lot. He's definitely a kid that I think FSU values a great deal. I think they very much like him. I think it to some degree, it clears up the running back board and what the plan is for that second spot. And I don't want to steal Josh's thunder. I'm sure he's going to touch on that. So I'll pass the baton back to him. High five. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that Rodney Hill is 
I want to clarify this because we have him listed as an athlete and he does play some slot receiver in high school. Uh, Florida State has two running back spots. So there's been a lot of fans speculating, well, we're he's coming in as an athlete, so we still have two running back spots. No, Rodney Hill is not going to play in the slot for Florida State. I confirm that he is definitely being considered as a running back and the FSU staff is considering him filling one of their running back spots. So that leaves one running back spot open. Florida State had, did they have two 22 backs on or was it just Damari Alston? I think they just had Damari Alston on, on campus. Jalen Glover did not make it on campus. Yeah, that's right. So it looked like um, Jalen Glover might come in and commit, although he did drop a top 12. What was that, a week and a half ago? He came out with a top 12. But Jalen is high on FSU, and we thought, hey, if he's on campus, maybe he's going to commit. He did not show up on campus. He did not commit to FSU. So what is FSU going to do with their final spot? Well, I'm hearing that Damari Alston and Jalen Glover are not the, is not the top target right now. It's actually Katron Allen who goes to IMG. He's a 5'11", 206-pound, four-star back. He's ranked as the number nine running back in the state of Florida and the 120th best player overall. Um, Allen, Allen, did Allen come up to a spring practice? Do I have that correct? Yeah, he came up to one of the scrimmages. I believe it was the second one. Is that right, Zach? Yeah, I think it was. The second yes, one. yeah. He, he showed up for that second one in the little IMG group. So I know FSU has been recruiting him hard, and I've been trying to get him on the phone, but Katron Allen does not like talking on the phone very often. So might have to go down to IMG and see what's up. But I was told over the weekend that FSU is really putting the press on him. Um, they want to f- finalize their running back room. They got one spot. You know, if Allen wants it, it's his. Um, I did get the vibe talking to Damari Alston that that FSU probably still had a little bit of work to do. And maybe that makes sense now because maybe they're not pressing him as hard as I thought they were. Uh, but Damari Alston is also in no rush to decide. Um, he clearly has intentions of taking visits during the summer once the dead period ends. I'm not sure if those are going to be official or unofficial, but either way, his timeline isn't really as pressing as, as it seems. Um, Zach, you talked with some of these guys. What do you think about the running back room? Who would you want to see ideally FSU add to a, to a room with Rodney Hill? I think Katron Allen is a dynamic running back. Um, if they can, you know, solidify him into this room, I think that'd be a great addition. But um, if not him, I really like Damari Alston. I like his tape. Um, I think he's, you know, more of a bruiser. We saw him in person. He's a he's a big back. Um, and I think Jalen Glover is kind of a different type of running back. He's more shifty. Um, he doesn't have like a huge um, acceleration or top end speed uh, like compared to like a Rodney Hill, for instance. But I, I really I like Damari Alston's tape, and I think he's a guy that's more coveted. Um, and for good reason. So I, I think him, um, you know, Ketron Allen would be my number one to, to fill that second spot. And then maybe Damari Austin right after that. Real quick to add on Allen. He's number nine ranked running back in the composite. He's 5'11", 206. The crystal ball currently relies on or lies on Alabama. Hmm. Only one pick though, Chris, and it's a five. Yeah, yeah that's a lack of confidence there. But he has a huge offer list. I mean, everybody's in on him. Georgia, Ohio State, Florida. Um, he's he's a big time back. And you can understand why Florida State 
is so high on him. Moving on to the offensive line, I think the the, the primary names I want to talk about were Kanaya Charlton, Quayshon Sapp, uh, Daughtry Richardson, and Emery Jones. In Kanaya Charlton and Quayshon Sapp, you got two South Georgia offensive linemen who I have crystal ball to Florida State, and I believe they're going to make up the interior offensive line class for the Seminoles. I'm not sure if FSU is going to take more than two interior guys. Maybe they will. But for now, I think Kanaya Charlton and Quayshon Sapp probably by the end of June will both be committed to FSU. Uh, fellas, do we all have our crystal balls in on those guys? I've not entered them, but I would put them on FSU if I enter them, which I'm going to at some point get the itch and enter a bunch and make the internet go crazy, I'm sure, for five minutes. Um, on Charlton, I've talked, I know it's the coach who brought him a little bit. He does the MVP camps with Rusty and Chad that I like to cover, mm-hmm. especially the South Georgia one. Charlton keeps saying it's going to be more like July, August, right before season starts. I think that timeline starts getting moved up as a lot of dominoes start falling and names come off the board. Right. It's pretty clear that FSU is in a really, really good position with him. He's been here a few times. I think he came to a scrimmage, if I recall correctly, obviously on Saturday. He was one of the last visitors before the pandemic dead period began, actually getting an ability to see everything up close and personal. Alex Atkins has done a phenomenal job in that recruitment. The kid really likes him. The people surrounding the kid really like Coach Atkins. That's a big deal. And I, I think FSU in general has just made a very strong impression with the young man. Sap, I have less of a relationship with. But in talking to people that know Leesburg kids and know a bit about his recruitment, it's very clear that Sap and Atkins have a immensely impressive connection with one another. And I think that wins out in the end, despite the fact that I think George and a couple others are pretty heavily in pursuit of Quayshawn as well. Hmm. And then the offensive tackles that were in town, the two primary ones of note was Daughtry Richardson, who's from Miami Central, but originally he he was born in Tallahassee or lived in Tallahassee for a good bit. I put my first 2023 crystal ball in for Daughtry Richardson, so I still feel confident about that. Um, Nothing that I saw or heard over the weekend would lead me to believe otherwise. I think kind of along the same lines, um, I think he's committed sooner than later. I would say probably in the next two months, maybe sooner, but we'll see on that. And then um, Emory Jones was there. We broke the story on Knowles 24-7 on Thursday that the Louisiana Baton Rouge offensive lineman would be in Tallahassee. He's a six foot four, 330-pound offensive tackle, uh, four-star prospect, 243rd best player overall. I am told that Florida State is recruiting him as an offensive tackle. I played a little phone tag with Emory Jones, but haven't been able to have a full conversation with him. So I hope to do that today. Um, But he's a guy in Louisiana that David Johnson has been quietly recruiting. And normally a guy like Emory Jones probably wouldn't get out of the boot, but with everything going on at LSU right now, we'll see how this plays out. This this is probably a long-term recruitment for FSU, but this might be one of those prospects FSU is able to sneak out. Um. Chris, you also talked to, I mean, there's a couple other offensive linemen in town. Am I missing anybody? You talked to somebody from CCC that was that played yeah, center. Uh, TJ uh, Demas, Demos, I forget exactly how to pronounce his last name. Nice young man. Uh, Cincinnati's coming on him recently. He's one of those kids that I think if the pandemic wasn't going on and coaches were getting out and seeing guys and guys were able to come in a little bit more and be up close and personal with staffs, mm-hmm. his offer list would probably pick up a tick. I think a lot of schools are hoping June opens up and he's the kind of kid they want to get out on campus. I think FSU falls into that category that they would like to see him up close and personal, possibly in June. But right. Nice guy. He's one of those that his recruitment's going to trend upwards, I think, as we go through the cycle. 
one of the uh, or at receiver. I want to move on to receiver right now. And and Zach, I think the receiver talent there was probably dominated by the 2023 class. Would you say? Definitely. Um, you had you know five star receiver Brandon Ennis. Um, you know four star receiver Santana Fleming among a bunch of other guys there. So yeah, who's the other one in the red shorts? Uh, Jalen. Um, Jalen Brown. Brown was it? He was up here with the Haggard in that bunch, I believe. Oh yeah, you're right, Jalen Brown. Yep, Jalen Brown was was with Carson Haggard and the uh, kicker they like, uh, Will Betridge, I think his name is. Yeah, it was. I mean, Brandon Innes. For those that don't know, has been on the st- on the big stage since he was an eighth grader. We've been covering him literally for three years, and he's only entering his senior year or his his junior year this year. Um, but he's one of the top guys, along with Santana Fleming. Who Zach? Do you have a crystal ball in on Santana Fleming? I know I do. I don't yet. Um, I think it was a while waiting? ago, but I I don't know, man. I I I, just, I don't think he's he's set on deciding on a school anytime soon. So I I think. There's other schools that could come into the mix, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go ahead and put that in until I hear anything definitive. But I like your prediction. The I, think Florida State, I think yeah, Florida State's in a good spot with him. I'm glad my pessimism or my hesitation is wearing off on Zach effectively. <laughs> All right, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, at defensive end, I think the biggest name to remember was Quincy Wiggins. Quincy Wiggins is a six foot five. 265 pound grown man that plays defensive end. Um, he came in with Emory Jones. Now I knew there was going to be some, some recruits from Louisiana coming in uh, that were going to meet with us, but I wasn't exactly sure who. And when we saw Quincy Wiggins get out of the car with, with Emory, Emory Jones, it's E M E R Y. So it's not the same Emory Jones that plays at Florida. Um, when he got out of the car with Emory Jones, it was just like, Oh boy. Who is this? We need to get his information and know who he is. Um, He is a big time target for FSU. He does have an offer. He is a take. Uh, I haven't caught up with Wiggins just yet, but this I'm told this is one of those long game recruitments. Again, FSU has been on him. They've been trying to get him over to campus, but because of the dead period, it's hard. Getting him on campus was a big first step in his recruitment to FSU. I fully expect the staff to stay in contact with him. David Johnson's been doing a heck of a job already, but I think the staff continues to recruit him, possibly get him on an official visit, maybe in the summer or fall, and then try to make a push at the end. But this is the typical kid that would always stay home and go to LSU. But like I said earlier, with all the things surrounding LSU at the moment, you know, the barriers of the boot could be coming down, at least for this He's Mr. Irrelevant of the top 247 in composite. He's number 247. He's number 14 strong side DN. He currently has official set up to USC and Auburn in June. So there's a couple of schools to know outside of LSU. Right. Uh, Anybody else at the defensive end position that was there? Oh, uh, Aaron Hester showed up. Florida State commitment for 2023. And he looks great. Uh, He's a a big defensive end. Lean, but has a lot of mass to him. Uh, one of the cool things that I thought about the weekend was Aaron Hester showed up late to the stadium and didn't really have anybody there with him. And Rodney Hill was walking by and Rodney Hill stopped and chilled with them, made sure he was good. 
And uh, Nico Marchio was communicating with Aaron Hester from inside the stadium. And I believe he even came down out of the stadium just to get Aaron Hester and bring him back to the seat so he could sit with the other uh, FSU targets and commitment. So again, some of the uh, behind the scenes of, of what was going on and how hard Nico was working this weekend. Let's move on to the linebacker position. Uh, Zach, Jerron Willis was in town along with, with uh, South Florida prospect Wesley Besant. Uh, you spoke to Jerron Willis, who's a South Georgia linebacker. What was he What was he saying? Yeah, I got great impressions with Jerron Willis about Florida State specifically. He kind of admitted it's going to be like a Florida State versus Georgia Tech battle. Um, I think he likes both schools a lot. He admitted that Florida State was his dream school growing up and that the visit was kind of a dream come true, as he explained. And we have an article with him on two, on those 24-7 right now. So you can definitely check that out for more from him. But, yeah, I put in a crystal ball pick, and I know you did as well, mm-hmm. for Willis to Florida State. And I, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I don't think anything's going to happen, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But when he does decide to go, go ahead and make that decision, I think it's going to be during the summer. I like FSU's chances there. And then, you also mentioned Wesley Besaint. I spoke to him as well. Um, that's shaping out to be a Florida State versus Miami battle. And he's definitely a prospect that I think Florida State would love to land. And, you know, him, Willis, and maybe one other guy at linebacker, I think that'd be a, a pretty good haul for them. And, I, and Willis, I mean, Besaint really, really enjoyed the spring game visit. We spoke after the visit. Um, and he... You know, he, he really liked getting a look at those linebackers out in Doak on Saturday. So um, if they can keep getting him up maybe another time during the summer, um, I think he's scheduled to take an official during the summer. So he, he's definitely a guy that they need to, you know, keep getting on campus because obviously he's going to have easy access to get on Miami's campus living down that way. Did either of you guys speak with Daniel Martin? I know he made it, which was I a did. surprise. I, I'm a huge fan of the kid. I know FSU really liked him early in the process. I think they've uh, waned a little bit because of concerns that he might not be attainable. Clemson, Georgia, Vanderbilt's actually a pretty interesting one in that mix. Um, but he's got really, really good film. He's a really talented kid. He's, I think with 247, he's in the 100 with composite. He's just outside the top 100 overall. He's a top five, seven-ish outside backer. Yeah, he he was a pretty good interview. He's he's a pretty smart kid. Yeah. Um, that's why probably why Vanderbilt is you know up there for him. Um, but yeah, he was he was a great interview. He's you know he 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 sounded like Florida State's just um, communicating with him a lot still. Um, even if you know like you said they they might think that other options um, you know could be better. I, I think Florida State is still trying to position themselves well. Um, with him and then obviously him making the trip he actually i think drove down with running back target damari alston they showed up together so i'm pretty sure they drove down together and that's who actually introduced me to daniel damari did so yeah that was a cool that was a cool surprise visitor and he's definitely a guy i think they would love um in this class as well and if they could keep getting him on campus that that could turn out well for them did ej lightsey make it in Yes, we didn't actually speak to him, but we were told we're he, made it. he made it. Yeah. Yeah. He's Fitzgerald, Georgia. He's uh, His film is easily, truthfully, probably my favorite linebacker film in, next, in that class. Chris, uh, class. what do you think of Jerron Willis as a prospect? 
I like him a heck of a lot. I, I kind of describe him as a muscle head. I don't mean that derogatory. I mean, he's put together, twitched up, you know, stitched up and twitched up. Uh, he gets after it. He'll hit you. He'll put you on your ass. I love his work ethic. You know, I think Leesburg kids that kind of buy in at that level are going to turn out to be pretty good college players. I think he falls in that category. Hmm. I, I like Willis a lot. I like Wesley a lot. Uh, I love Lightsey's film. I like Daniel Martin a lot because I think he's got a bit of everything. He's got good size, good athleticism. He could play inside. He could play outside. He's also a very sharp, smart kid. There's a hell of a lot of good linebackers in the 22 class. I really hope FSU is able to upgrade that room from a talent perspective with, you know, three good takes in that room. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to DB, really the talent was dominated once again by the 2023 class. And I, I mean, I don't know what's going on at FSU, but I almost crystal ball two more five stars to FSU. I almost put a crystal ball pick in for Tony Mitchell, who's out of Alabaster, Alabama. He's a, he's the number one defensive back in the, uh, or the number one corner in the 2023 class. And I almost put a crystal ball in for AJ Harris, who's the number two defensive uh, back in the, in the 2023 class. And he is also from Phoenix city, Alabama. So two out of state prospects that were on campus at FSU, Zach, am I crazy for saying what I just said? You are not crazy. Um, both of them really love FSU. I think this visit, being around all these guys, um, the commits, Nico and, and Travis, kind of made them feel like, you know, a, a really family vibe. And that's something that's hard to get in a dead period where you're not able to meet with the coaches and have that camaraderie just, you know, seeing all these guys and, and, and the, w- when you're meeting with coaches, they can kind of organize things better, but this kind of event that we set up and that Nico and, and Travis helped make happen really helped, you know, that feeling be felt among a lot of guys there. And, and that was something that was said in a lot of the interviews that we had with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Mitchell and Harris specifically, I think those two guys, um, you know, FSU is trending up with them, with them. And I think, uh, going forward, I, I would I would say that Florida State's probably the leader for both. And it's crazy um, to I say. It. Be, yeah, I know two five stars, uh, and I, I think you know AJ Harris is kind of a unique one. Um, he kind of told you you can t- touch on this, but he's not really a big fan of the recruiting process. So um, you know, Florida State if they if they could position position themselves well early, I think they have a good shot at landing him too. Four-star defensive back Earl Niddle from American Heritage was a bit of a surprise. He he put out a tweet the day before that he was coming up. You talked to Earl Little Jr. Is FSU in it for him? Yeah, they're definitely in it. Um, he set up five official visits, I think, last week, and Florida State was one of those. So I think that's a good sign, um, even before he made the spring game visit. Um, he comes up this weekend with his teammate Marvin Jones Jr., who was – sick and kind of stayed in the hotel. That's what he let us know um, of what happened with him. But it, it, you know, it's a good sign that they're getting him on campus early. I think the biggest threat with him is probably LSU. That's mm-hmm. a school he's liked for a long time. And um, there's, there's a couple of crystal balls um, for little to go to F, uh, LSU. So I think if FSU can um, impress a little bit on the field um, this fall and kind of, outdo their expectations i think they could they could position themselves well but he's a guy that's going to be coveted by the alabamas the lsus and all those other big time schools so you know it's it's a good sign that they're they're one of his five officials um i don't think miami received um 
uh, any of those officials and he's from down there. So I think, I think that's a good sign and him being up for the spring game is also um, a very good trend. Yeah. Let me, uh, I got a little ahead of myself. We're, we're wrapped with the DBs, but we missed Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah. So to clarify, Marvin Jones Jr. tweeted on Friday that he was also coming up for the game. It, it created a lot of excitement. Uh, but when we were with the recruits, we did not see Marvin Jones Jr. And Earl Little told you that they that Marvin Jones made it into town but felt sick in the morning and never left the hotel. So he was he was not on campus, but he was in Tallahassee. People on the site ask me if I'm counting that as a visit. Listen, if you make it from South Florida into Leon County, I'm counting you as a visit to FSU. That's that's it. If you made the seven-hour drive, you're a visitor. Uh, Nigel e. Kelly was also there. He's an FSU commitment. It was good to see him on campus. As we know, UF and Miami are turning up the heat. I spoke to him briefly. Everything sounds good. He says that he might take some visits this summer, but doesn't have anything planned or mapped out yet. So he's just kind of he's just kind of free flowing it. Um, we missed the defensive tackle position, a very important position because FSU had one of the best high school defensive tackles in the world on campus. Um, the number three ranked defensive tackle in America, Gabe Brownlow Dindy from Lakeland High School. He is a six foot three, 275 pound monster in the middle, uh, one of the best in the country and also has the offer list to go with it. Clemson, Florida, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, all the big dogs. They're coming after Gabe Dindy. Uh, FSU's there in the mix. He was in Tallahassee. Zach, does FSU have a shot? You know, we didn't get a chance to speak up or speak with him after the trip, but I'm trying to get in contact with him now, um, and hopefully I'll have an update here soon. But I think, obviously, if he makes the trip up, um, and you saw him at the hotel, so we know he was there. That's probably, mm-hmm. you know, the only way we're going to see he was there because he didn't actually make yeah. the um, the event. But And we didn't see him sitting would, with the other recruits either. Yeah. He brought up, you know, he, he was with family, like you said, so that was a good sign. And, um, you know, I think before this visit, FSU wasn't really looked at as a contender for him. But with him making it up and just, um, you know, it's probably a, a – something to do with, you know, Odell Hagen's is just pursuit of him. So I think if he can keep making it on campus, and I think, I think he's a guy that um, a lot of people have pegged to go to Oklahoma due to his family ties there. I, I think if they, if he can, you know, if Hagen's can keep working him, maybe get him up for the summer um, for some t- type of visit, maybe for those camps in early June, that could be a good sign. I just think that, there's a lot of other huge players in this recruitment along with Oklahoma. That's yeah. going to be hard for FSU. Um, but it's definitely a good sign to see him um, in Tallahassee on Saturday. Right. The word I got behind the scenes is just that it's that it was good to see him. Nobody's getting too excited. We're going to have to get him back time after time after time, because we know we got to start chipping away. So if they can get him in on a summer visit, if they can get him back in on the fall and you know, now we're talking, you get your three contacts, it's a big time prospect. You've got to get him on campus at least that many times to have a shot. So I'm not prepared to put a crystal ball and I'm not going crazy with the fact that Gabe Dindy was on campus, but it's a big step for FSU. Another four-star defensive tackle that was on campus and you met with before the game started was Tyree West. He is a UGA commitment. What's Tyree West up to? Yeah, it was kind of a big surprise for him to show up. I think he came with a friend, the 2024 defensive tackle target, Omar White. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they both were at the Bobby Bowden statue. I actually met up with them on my way to the Unconquered statue. Um, you know, when we were going up to meet with Rodney Hill. And, you know, I didn't get much from him in, in my you know interview, but he, you know, it, it's, it's, it was just a surprise to see him on campus. I had heard his name linked to FSU in the past, but I'd kind of written him off. Um, you know, I spoke to him sometime during the spring and he was, he basically said his only plans were to visit Georgia and, um, you know, that he didn't have any other plans, but him making it to FSU's campus is just, you know, was kind of just jaw dropping. I didn't, I didn't really think that, you know, that was going to happen. So I, I, you know, talking to him, he didn't give me any like, you know, major scoop on, you know, a possible flip or anything, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a, you know, a good, good thing to see for, for him to make it up. And they definitely need to reload that defensive tackle um, room. And there was yeah. a lot of guys, there were a lot of guys on campus that could definitely do that for them. Yeah. And I think this is one of those scenarios where if we do start hearing smoke with West down the, down the road, it's like, Oh, okay. West was one of those guys that was on campus back in the spring. If he does decommit from Georgia, we know FSU is going to jump in this thing and become a player. So maybe one of those recruitments just to kind of put in the back of your mind and, and for later. Saddam. All right. I'm here. I'm awake. I was actually just looking at a picture of Burt Reynolds on a bearskin rug. Don't ask me why that was sent to me by someone. Uh, RIP, but also pretty, pretty amazing, amazing content. Uh, I got a few questions for you guys related to this recruiting weekend. And I want to start off here. You guys did a really good job painting the picture and uh, kind of setting the energy, the vibe that was there. Uh, And I've tagged along many a time uh, on these recruiting weekends. The energy, the environment was pretty special this weekend. Josh, was this was this as effective or as, as impactful as any recruiting, like say any like official visit weekend you've been to, or even just like a normal, like spring game or, or event like this, like this seemed like this had as much juice and was as effective as maybe anything we've covered in the last few years. At a minimum, I think it was as effective as any big recruiting weekend FSU's ever held, you know, at least in the last like five, 10 years. Um, why? Like, do you think the coach is not being involved? Like, that's the biggest difference. I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's like, this was player run. This was organic. This was like a pop-up almost. Organic. That's the word that, that hits. I think that's exactly what it was. And I think just the stars aligned. I mean, this couldn't have been pulled off if you didn't have Nico Markiel and Travis Hunter. And really, if you didn't have Zach, I mean, I know <laughs> that it wasn't like coordinated that way for this to happen, but it, it all kind of came together between the meetup spot and then the personalities like Nico and Travis, it all worked out and it worked out better than it would have with, with coaches. And I even talked to uh, some, some people off the record that agree with what I, what, what I'm saying. And it's because it's organic, but also because the coaches, when, when you have a, a visit weekend, there's a lot of sitting around that occurs uh, because naturally the coaching staff, and this isn't at FSU, this is across the board. This is everywhere in the country, but the coaching staff assumes, Hey, if a kid's coming on campus, we need to make this valuable to him. So we need to do all the tours. We need to um, get him to sit down with his position coach, get him to sit down with the head man. Well, you also have like 50 to 75 recruits on campus. So there's a lot of kind of dragging and sitting around and maybe doing things that they don't really want to do, but they're just along for the trip and it becomes boring. And I think all of that was avoided this time because it was just, it was just friends hanging out. 
and they didn't have to do the things that they didn't want to do. Normally, recruits would have started showing up at 11 a.m. for a 5 p.m. game. They would have been sitting around the Moore Center. They would have been sitting around Tallahassee. And then as soon as the game ends, now they're all waiting to talk to Mike Norvell one by one. And but the game starts at 5 p.m. And they're not leaving the Moore Center until 9, 9.30 p.m. That's a long-ass day. Uh, recruits don't necessarily want to do all that. And they were able to do whatever they wanted to do. They're led by Nico. They're led by Travis. They're a hell of a lot cooler than coaches. And it all, it all worked out. But I don't, here's the thing. I don't think you can replicate this. I think right. it was a unique situation that happened. It was a big bonus for FSU because not a lot of teams took advantage of this. But I don't think this is something that we're going to see again in the future. Yeah, and I, I think it's worth pointing out. I think all the 23 commitments were there. All the 24 commitments were there. A vast majority of the 22 commitments were there. I, what, Quincy McAdoo was not uh, one? Sam other. McCall. Yeah, Sam McCall was not. Anybody else? Um, I think uh, – Did Mortimer? Gabe, yeah, Mortimer, Mortimer was there. Mortimer was the there. 20, yeah, in the 23 class, um, that Gabe Harris, I think, the 2023 DN, he was there earlier in the week, but he wasn't actually there for the spring game. But okay. we'll still count that as, as him being there for that week. He was week, in Leon yeah. County. It counts. There, there's something about getting those guys continue, continuously back on campus that matters, uh, fortifies the commitment. And then when you have those guys as your spokesman to the other guys, building relationships, it carries weight. Relationships win in recruiting in the end. And sometimes, you know, dude number one and dude number two meet each other and think, hey, it'd be pretty cool to play college football together. You know, I, I think back to like Jay Rob and Josh Brown, they really hit it off and they were from completely different places. One's from the Panhandle and the other one's from North Carolina. And I don't know that they came to FSU together because of each other, but I know they definitely liked FSU a heck of a lot because they liked each other a lot and they're still good friends to this day. So I think that kind of speaks to what can happen with recruiting relationships where it can have a beneficial uh, response for that university. And Saturday mm -hmm. had that. And it, it was cool. I mean, it, it just plain and simple in general, it was cool to watch FSU have essentially some juice, some momentum, dudes that were excited to be there, and it it didn't feel like they were being dragged into the stadium to do something. It felt like they were hanging out with other guys, enjoying themselves, having a little fun on a Saturday afternoon, checking it out, and then going to have a little bit more fun with each other. Chris, has FSU even the playing field? We talked all last year how they were behind the the eight ball because of the well, pandemic, I, because of not having a floor they were with staff. They were with the 21 class without right. a shadow of doubt. They were behind. But, but now we're in 2022, 23. With hiring. And then with a pandemic, it becomes even dip, more difficult to make up the footsteps. Mm -hmm. With 22, they're on par. With 23 and 24, they're ahead. Wow. They've worked their asses off, to put it plain and simple. They've worked very, very hard. And every step along the way, they've done more to make themselves better at doing it. Hiring Ryan Bartow, for example, is a great move. Hiring Randy Shannon, which creates more South Florida relationships, is a good move. There's other examples along the way, you know, guys that they've hired as analysts and things of that sort who help with the movement of working towards that. But a lot of the guys we saw this weekend, they've been after a good amount of those guys for a good while. Clay, Clay, uh, the young offensive lineman from Central Florida, Clay, uh, is it Whedon? He, mm -hmm. He's a guy. Yep. He was here last February, if I recall correctly. And that's a kid that they're going to recruit for three straight years. And I, I think we're starting to see – the fruits of their labor be harvested to some degree. Josh, do you remember Willie's staff? Like it would, they were just chasing. They were behind a class. It felt like every 
well, only, he was only here for a couple of years, but it felt like they were chasing. And even Jimbo at the end, like the, the recruiting halted. This is the first time where it feels like FSU is kind of uh, ahead of ahead of the curve. It, it's just it's different to cover. Yeah, because they're recruiting the 2023 class is equally as hard as they are the 2022 class. And they have been now for a couple months. And and you're seeing the benefits of that because like it, just what Chris said, it, relationships matter. And it just takes a little bit of time, especially because of the circumstances FSU came into, which they didn't anticipate a pandemic. And then also, you know, hiring coaches without a lot of Florida connections. It was just hard to make those real personal connections and build real personal relationships during the pandemic, but they've slowly come out of that. Just what Chris said, they've made some smart hires. There could be some more hires coming, but they've made these connections and they've established relationships, real relationships. And now you're seeing the benefits of that in recruiting. It's cool because the playing field has been even too. Like all the, every coaching staff has had the same disadvantage now that, that Florida state has had like before 2021, they were, they were at a disadvantage because they weren't able to meet a lot of these kids in person. And a lot of these older recruits had been to, campuses before and gotten to meet with you know regional powerhouse you know, staffs uh, they just didn't they, get a chance to do that now now it's all even footing and florida state showing what they can do and it's interesting they've mm-hmm. positioned themselves very well for when things do reopen to hit the ground running yeah and and, and june is going to be fun um we had talked on the last podcast about i think i set the over under at two and a half commitments coming from this weekend and, and saying like by monday or tuesday mm-hmm. uh, we're here on monday they got one. Do we think we're going to get two in the next 24 hours to, to get the over on that? Or is the, the under going to win? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But I'm not worried. No, no. It seems like it's more setting stuff up for dominoes to fall a little bit later on. For, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you get the commitments earlier or later. You don't get more stars if you commit earlier. You don't get more points. You don't get better players if you commit earlier. Only thing that matters is you sign them. I think coming from this group, we're going to see – six to 10 commitments out of the 2022, 2023, 2024 prospects that were on campus. I bet you there's going to be maybe up to 10 of these guys are going to be committed when it's all said and done. All right, Zach, I got a buyer Sinone for you. You ready? Did did you buy or Sinone Nico's tweet when you put the map out there? Were, were you buying it or Sinone in that moment? Um, in that moment, definitely Sinone. But once I kind of broke it down, because I was kind of, you know, I was working under the, uh, behind the scenes for like, you know, a week and a half before before he put out that tweet to try to make this thing kind of exclusive for us and also just, you know, a, a big turnout. But um, after thinking about it, I'm like, I'll, I'll buy that just because, you know, it helped solidify the, the, the event and helped a lot of guys get there, especially at, at, at a at the uh, I think it was 3 p.m. is what he posted for when mm-hmm. everyone to meet. So they all kind of met at the same time, which also helped a lot. I, one thing I really like about working with with this team at Knowles 24-7 is that happens. Uh, Zach freaks out for like a minute in the group text, like knowing that it's going to be busy, 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 busy all of a sudden. And that also maybe like competition could be tipped off and stuff. But you know what happens is like everyone just gets to work. Chris is like, all right, I'm driving over. Josh is like, I'm already, I'm already headed over there. I come over to help and hold an umbrella and just guide things. Like everyone put, just gets to work and does what they're supposed to do. And uh, ended up two shots really cool to known was real comfortable. Two shots to known. Two shots to known. I don't get it. You know what I'm talking about. Nice. 
You know, Chris has been making things more awkward on the podcast lately, and I like it because it takes. It's like I'm I'm rubbing off on him in a uh, very profound way. All buying right, let's it. T- buying it. Let's speaking of buying it, we did a little buyer sinone action. Uh, take a quick commercial break. We're gonna come back and and play some buyer sinone, and then we'll be done with this this episode. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back to On the Bench. We're going to play some Buyer Sonome, but real quick, uh, first some house housekeeping, house cleaning. Uh, Chris and I did a full spring recap on the bench episode yesterday. So some of these questions for Buyer Sonome are going to touch on football aspect, uh, but also a lot of recruiting as well. If you want a full like in-depth recap of the spring, uh, check out the, the episode from earlier this uh, weekend. But first, guys, before we get to Buyer Sonome, Dead period officially to be lifted in June. Chris, I saw the I saw the fist pump there. You can chime in with anything now. Yeah, sorry, I had you on mute. I was I was doing some business, some work. Um, Trading yeah, stocks? No, God, stonking no. it. Versatile boys, variety, play it safe. BNGO. Um, no, I mean that's great. That's what they needed. The NCA needed to make decisions. They need to make a decision on the transfer rule, get that done. I believe that's coming as well. The one-time transfer rule being approved, which everybody expects. Uh, things opening up. These things need to be done. Schools need to get back to work, know what they can do, know what they can schedule and get the ball rolling. FSU obviously scheduled those youth camps for mostly in May. I think that's a great idea. Building early bridges also helps with building relationships because high school coaches have little kids that come to that camp. You build a relationship with high school coaches. Those things pay off. Now in June, you're able to get the kids back on your campus, evaluate kids in person that you really want to see, get kids on campus that you know you want to have them in for a visit where you can host them and run them around, mm-hmm. figure out how much of a period are we going to have. Are we going to do the normal three weeks in June, the last week of July with a dead month in the middle of that? Or are we going to be open all of June, closed in July? What are we going to do? What's the calendar going to look like? Let's get it set, get camp set, get visit dates set, 
get official visits locked in, get this ball rolling, get back to recruiting like it's supposed to be done, and get away from what we've had to deal with for the last 13, 14 months. His juices are flowing. I can I can just I'm back. Feel I'm, it. He's back, hey, baby. I, I hate the virtual landscape. I think I I've you. made that abundantly clear. Yes. I'm it just so gets ready old. for it. Just oh, gets God, old. no doubt. But yeah. talking to a kid and their people in person, yeah, it can't be done any other way effectively. You can have phone conversation after phone conversation, but those are a hell of a lot easier after you've met the person in person mm-hmm. and had a conversation with them. It's just Same. different. Yeah. And I love that. I enjoy that aspect so much more than anything else I do. I'm about personal relationships. I'm about daily effort. I'm about getting out there, sitting on that bench, talking to kids. Do I enjoy sitting on the bench for 12 hours at a time? Hell yeah, you do. Not really. Ulcers aren't a great thing, but <laughs> do I want to do it? You know, huh, yeah, I'm here for it. Like I, I, I enjoy that part of work. I that's, that's why Zach's a badass on this job because he's on campus with us. It's why me and Brendan are great because we're here. It's why Josh is the wingman, the juice man who comes up on the road when we need him and we kick ass and take names. And I'm ready to get back to that part of this job in this life. Let's, Let's go. Let's go. Brendan, Let's I, go. Brendan, did I not have the same conversation with you this morning? Before the show, uh, Josh Byers Sinone, you are going to be Byers Sinone. You'll be in Tallahassee three times in June. Buying it, right? You're going to be here a lot. Be up there every weekend. It looks uh, like they're going to have weekly camps. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a crazy month of June. Let's I mean, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. And we also know that it's a sprint. It's not mm-hmm. a marathon because the dead period is still intact at the end of June. So basically, three weeks in July will be dead. Um, there'll be one weekend at the end of the July and then FSU goes to camp. So that effectively ends summer recruiting. So there's going to be a lull here at the end of April, a lull in May because it's still dead. And then June is just going to be insane. And then it's going to be back to football. So I'm looking forward to the summer. It's going to be a great time to be on Knowles 24 seven. It's great to be back out on the recruiting trail, just covering live action and getting to spend some time with Chris. And it's my me. highlight of my summer. And me. Um, the Quayshon Sap tweet's hilarious, Chris. Quayshon Sap just came out and said he is no longer committing on, what was it, May 7th? May his 7th. mom's birthday? Yeah. And his uh, tweet says, after talking to my mother, my backbone and my recruitment, we have decided to delay my commitment until after all of my official visits. Sorry for the delay. Hope look you at- all. Understand. Look at the picture. It has his original tweet <laughs> saying that he was going to come on May 7th and he just has a cancel sign through it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's awesome. It's well done. Uh, all right. That being said, here's my prediction. Okay. If he takes all of his official visits, I think there's a significantly lower chance that he ends up in FSU's class. Will he actually take all of his official visits? I don't know. But based on his tweet, I mean, you know, we'll just we'll play it by ear. What what do you, if, how do you interpret that, Chris? Chris, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think the relationship with Atkins is one of those where if FSU is able to be – say he wants to take officials to Georgia, FSU, who's the third school in this? Is it Bama? Who, who, if you had to pick a third, who would it be? I think UF is also involved. But UF, Cincinnati yeah, so, so let's say he, he locks in those three, FSU, UF, and uh, Georgia. You know, let's say Georgia's last because that's the in-state school, and the state schools sometimes end up being the last one. Say Florida's first, FSU's in the middle. Alex Atkins needs to shut that baby down after that second one. You know, get the job done, 
play on the relationship. That kid's been here multiple times. He understands how much he likes it. Close the door. It, I think the longer it goes, the more concerned you would get. But I think it doesn't – it's not detrimental to FSU if he steps on one or two other campuses. Right. And there's also an abundance of interior offensive linemen. I know FSU likes Sap. Um, I, I, I know they like other guys as well. Uh, I think they they have a spot for Sap. But if he is going to go longer than they're willing to wait, I think FSU would have other options to uh, to go with. I'm just looking forward to him saying he is now going to recommit on May 7th and doing the cancel sign over this tweet and make it very meta and like mirror into a mirror kind of deal. All right, let's it's play by mom's birthday on May 7th. They didn't cancel that, right? No, you can't cancel birthdays. Cancel okay. a lot of things nowadays. Can't cancel birthdays. Uh, let's see. Newton Knoll. Buy or Sinone, best quarterback situation FSU has had post Jameis Winston. I'm buying that. Maybe I'm just feeling really good after seeing McKenzie Milton drop some dimes after the spring game, but I'm buying this being the best quarterback situation because I think you have two competent ones. I'll go buy two. I'm not as emphatic as yeah. you are with that, but yeah, sure. I mean, I think they have two capable guys. I worry about the injury uh, possibility with both the, of them. But, the quarterback yeah. situation hasn't been very good post Jameis. No. In the moment. When they had Malik Henry and those three guys committed, I mean, they were in a better situation. Of course, in hindsight, we know what was going on. I just think in general, this is kind of a weak QB class. I mean, I think that they, like Chris said, they're going to have two capable guys committed. I don't, I'm not, I'm not willing to put this in the same breath as Jameis Winston. Oh, uh, I think right. I, no, I, I'm sorry, Josh. He, I think I know, I know what they're saying, but he, but no, he it's meant, just current, current on campus. Yeah, and Josh is talking all about the future. I don't think Josh. Josh, Josh, Josh is knows a what dude that looks ahead. Jesus He's not Christ. here for the moment. He's he is here all for the into recruiting right now. They're talking about J. Trav <laughs> and KZ. Oh, why are we doing that? What? What, what we're, we're doing a little buyer sonone here. We're Sinone. mixing in a little football this with a little why, recruiting. This is why the front I end was recruiting. Not to go. Why do you let the fans do this? They're this terrible. Is, <laughs> no, no, no. We're not even at the point where they've been terrible yet. The next question is from Korea Noel. Sorry, it's not a buyer sonone. So now we're starting to see it getting terrible. You got to play. If you're playing buyer sonone, you got to buy or sonone. Here's another you one. You need to write Noel. the buyer sonone questions. Do not let them write these. This, buyers, this segment is going to die because you are allowing the fans to do it. This You're is asking one. Brendan to read the room, though, and he's not always right. comfortable with that. But go ahead, Brendan. I'm very good at reading the room. <laughs> I'm just that very poor at executing it. Those are two different things. I know this is a bad idea. I'm proceeding forward with it because I don't care. Newton Knoll says, by Orson Known, knee has too many pin threads. Buying oh, without, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm, I'm sitting there calculating times, responses. Is this thing still going strong? If I get rid of it now, is anybody going to see it? Is it going to fall to page two? There are so many things running through my head at the same time with the pin thread situation. I I just (laughs) We're sitting at dinner on Saturday night. I'm already thinking about how many damn pin threads are we going to have on Sunday because all the recruiting coverage. Why are you shaking your head, Newberg? You know me. I've I've just I've I've given up on this. It's been something. Luckily, I don't have OCD like you. I can just let things go. But for years, like back in 2013, 2014, like Tim Watts used to wake up on Sunday morning and text me, hey, Josh, unpin some threads. The rest of the network doesn't have any pins. (laughs) (laughs) I I used to. Hold on. So he would always say, like, you got to. And I was just like, look, Chris does it. He views things differently than me. I'm wholly against pinning threads. Here's what I think. 
I think the message board should dictate what they want to talk about. If they want it at the top of the page, it should be at the top of the page. I think there's a front page where things can be pinned and ordered and you can leave things on there. But as far as the message board goes, I think that the fans should just dictate whatever they want to talk about. If something falls to the very bottom of the message board, they want to talk about it. But I understand you view it completely different than I view it. This sounds like a bonus bet. We should have two months that are pretty comparable number-wise usually. <laughs> no, I don't month, care. I don't one care. One month we do it my way, one month we like do it Josh's way. And, you know, whichever month is better, if we bonus both of those months, we give the other person our full bonus. How about that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Chris I'm down. Sassy. I'm down. Oh, shit, right. he's we'll down. We'll have to figure out two months that oh, are comparable. All right. I just – Write the, it the down, pinning, The pinning link to me that, is – like, for example, a photo gallery. A photo mm-hmm. gallery usually isn't going to generate, uh, you know, a photo gallery after several photo galleries is not going to generate a lot of responses. But people are going to look at it a lot. You know, for example, Travis's game gallery from this past right. Saturday, it's generated maybe a response or two. I'm not even sure. But if people are going to look at it. So, like, I think that's something that needs to be pinned. But then there's other things where the conversation just spins out of control. And by page three, we're actually not talking about what page one was about. And those sometimes you just let go because they're still going to get bumped on the board. So it's a weird balance. I'm a, yes, I'm a I obsess look, way I'm, too much I'm over. A, I know. I'm a free market believer. You think government should control more of what people read and how they ingest their content. Two different views. I'm just trying to steer people to where they need to go. Josh was dumping all over this buyer's Sonone thread and look at the content it just produced. There's not like $1,000 on the line. Impressive. Um. I used to unpin stuff in the morning. Like I'd wake up and if no one had talked about it for 12 hours, I would unpin it. And then some of the shit started getting repinned. So I was like, I'm not touching Chris's pins anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't touch any pins. <laughs> I just, well, I'll let him do it. If he wants to know something that no one's talking about, just chill there for 24 hours. Hey, that's on you. He's hey, so I, territorial. Oh, I yes. am. I know it. I can't help it guys. I am who I am. But um, luckily I'm, I'm cool with it. Like I know that I need to pin everything because if I don't pin it, Chris will pin it. So I feel like I need to pin it, but I never unpin anything. <laughs> like when we're busy, like we are currently like hoops and baseball outside of maybe a baseball game, threat, they're not getting pinned. Like I've learned enough lessons to know I have to let some of it go. There you go. That's good. I have That's to gross. walk away. Do not pin. Like I'm sitting there, but I'm not doing it. I like the visual of like me getting up at six o'clock in the morning and opening up the phone and like unpinning stuff, trying to organize things a little bit. And then Chris getting up two hours later, pooping, looking at it. 7.20 a.m. repinning it. Yeah, angrily, like Snow's messing with my stuff while he's taking a dump. He's just looking there all angry and stuff at it. So I just stopped. I stopped doing it. Tell me that's happened that's, before. That's right? done 1,500 views overnight. What the hell is he thinking? <laughs> all right. South Florida knows says buyer Sinone, a 2022 quarterback commit flips to another school. There is only one uh, Sinone. That's a bad question. Uh, Big drip, Noel. Buyer Sinone, FSU's 2022 class could be as impactful as their 2010 class. That was the first year under Jimbo. 2010 class. I agree Sinone. with that. I think you've got guys at the top. Who kinda, Play it right. Play it right, yes, Chris. Bye. I buy. This, this whole segment's I, deteriorating. I think you've got guys at the done. top who are the type that kind of help you recruit immediately and in the future when they're on campus. And I think it's also a class that can sustain despite the fact that on-field product might not be very good. So I think there is a fair comparison in those two regards. Box and bug. Uh, he didn't say buyer to know. He wanted to know about the Ohio State offensive tackle transfer prospect. He got to say buyer to know, man. That's These part are of not. Buyer's known questions. 
MJ Wills, dude, MJ Wills 10 asked like 30 buyers to own. So you had something good, Brandon, and then you gave it to the fans and they ruined it. So, Josh, the question is about Max Ray. Is yeah, FSU's interested in Max Ray. Uh, right now, there hasn't been any uh, formal contact, but he is a guy that if if Max Ray were interested in FSU, they would be interested in him. I'll um, dig more into it this week and uh, see if I can get some more intel. Fire Snow, how many five and four stars does FSU get this cycle? I'm going to say 14. Crew, that's not how it's done, dude. Sorry. Fire Snow is... It, it, Mm. Um. All right, CHS. No, as Byers known, MJ Wills is really done. Yes, I'm buying it. He's he's asked thirty questions now on the Byers known. MJ Willis. He, check the Byers known thread. Some someone's asked like thirty on here. Um. Ooh, the big squeeze three asks Byers known. FNSU has more than ten point five sacks from the D line only this season. Are you buying that, Chris, or Sinone in it? 10.5 I'll from the buy line. that as long as they Jermaine Johnson's case healthy. Jermaine Johnson has more than 5.5 is what he's he's buying or Sinone in that. Um, Dal for FSU, buyer Sinone. A good transfer offensive tackle makes FSU at least a 1.5 win total difference with this team. Mm, that's a lot of wins. I, I don't know that it changes. You know, we talked yesterday on the pod about the odds, like what we would pick. And I said, I think FSU would be – certainly not favored in five games. I don't know that an OT changes the odds on those five games. So I think it's tough to buy on 1.5. I do think a high-level OT changes the offensive line situation a great deal because it allows you to move some pieces where they really should be moved. There's like three other buyers to knowns about finding a left tackle in the transfer portal. People, go back and watch the game. Darius Washington had a good game. I don't know what – I don't know. understand so what's Snowden's happening gonna here. Snowden's going to die on this hill. I love it. Like, I Did didn't you- think – did you go, go back? And did you re, did you rewatch the game I have yet? Not well, then don't it talk yet, to no. me about I, it until I you do. To do. I will. So today. I will. I will uh, listen to your thoughts and, and take them as valid. Uh, it's more of a longer term question. Do you want Darius Washington to be your long term left tackle? I don't think that's the best plan of action. This season, I would like him to be my left guard. I thought he looked really good at left guard in the spring game. Ideally, you would get a a experienced left tackle. Ideally, yes. Um, I just don't understand what happened during the spring game that made people lose their minds. Okay. The big squeeze three, Byersonone, DJ Williams is RB4 behind Corbin, LT, and Ward. Bye. He's got to run with more authority. Yeah. He looked a little bit better rewatching it, Chris. I, I thought he did have a little more room than, than in person. See, the better question would have been Byersonone, do you take a transfer running back if he's going to be your fourth string running back? Byersonone. Well, I don't think you he's said, long-term you said, four. He's known that, obviously. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's long-term four. I but that, I'm just saying that's how you getting... would ask that question if you were like a producer writing the, the proper questions for this segment and giving it life. That's how you would phrase it. The okay. thing I was pleased with, he had a play where he kind of got tackled fairly easily. The next play, he did finish better on that play. So I was yeah. glad to see kind of a response. But that's something there. Brendan's been harping on this whole spring is the fact that DJ Williams just doesn't seem like he's very elusive or can break tackles. Yeah. He gets he's tackled, he gets tackled that, a lot in the open field, which I don't He's got to be the guy that punishes the opposing team. He needs to be a finisher for them in the sense of guys don't want to be tackling for the 80th play of the game. DJ Williams running full blow into them is not going to be a fun experience. He needs to be that dude. Yeah, he, he can't. Is he? Is he though? No, not yet. He no. hasn't shown it. No. Um, yeah, then that would be a hell of a thing. Like if you took him, and it's early, so he's allowed to get better. I know he's dealing with the ankle injury for uh, the beginning part of this spring, but yeah, you take him, you use a scholarship on him. Scholarships are limited. Uh, he needs to not be the fourth running back. That would be that'd be a toughie. 
uh, when you have other holes that you have to fill. Speaking of which, Byers Sinone, we actually have two open Scully spots. If so, Byers Sinone, we use both on transfers. So uh, I guess buy is at two open scholarship spots is, is what Intel says, right? You would use yeah. them. Go ahead, John. What's the question? You would use them. One, he's trying to ask if they have two scholarship spots and we're saying yes yeah. you're not you're not that sque- uh, sneaky big squeeze uh and i see everybody always saying oh, well if we have two spots we need to use those two spots for offensive tackles it's like yeah no of course they do but the problem is they can't get two quality off there's just it's two it's twofold one there's not a whole lot of talent in the portal and then two when the talent does hit the portal it's been gobbled up by program more successful programs right now so i think yeah i agree with the take that fsu needs to spend those two but in reality they might be better off taking two high quality wide receivers or i mean if, i think you need to get one offensive lineman whether it's a guard or a tackle i think you need to get someone who has starting experience as that, long as they're better yeah, that helps. The Even, man, I, I know that's what we were saying at the beginning of the year. I mean, looking at what happened mm-hmm. this spring and with the injuries that happened, dude, they were running with their third-string guards. Their second-string offensive line had two walk-ons on it. Like, I, I, better is ideal, but mm-hmm. I think just confidence. Like, if you can give me Ryan Roberts again for this year's team, I would take that and just figure it out, whether he's a six offensive lineman, whether he's a starter. If you have two scholarships, I would allocate it to someone with a pulse on the offensive line just to – give yourself an insurance policy. Uh, you can't be out there with uh, these mass units. You just can't do it this year. Um, it's funny on the DJ Williams question. Newton all posted the video of the collision he had when he did hit the hole with an impact when him and with Gainer truly took. Yeah, yeah. Which I believe is a snap after the one I'm referencing where he didn't mm-hmm. finish very well. So yeah, it's yeah. funny. That's who and what he is right now though. He needs to be more consistent with being that guy in that clip than what we saw at other times. And to be fair, like on Thursday, he had a little bit of that too, Chris, uh, yeah. where he was finishing around. So that was the first, like we've seen it's two there. games where it, where it exists. Now can you I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not here standing up calling him soft or a guy that's never going to be physical. He just mm-hmm. needs to consistently be that guy. That is who and what he can be for this team. They have the speedster and explosive guy in Toe Philly, uh, speedster and Ren. They have Corbin, who's a pretty good combo type. They need Williams to be a battering ram. But I, I want to go back. Sorry, I had to get my offensive line take off. Then we went back to DJ Williams. Josh, you said two wide receivers is how you would consider using the two scholarships, or like is, is that? I'm just I'm just a uh, scenario. Or is that a definitive? Oh, okay. Because there hasn't been high quality wide receiver or high quality offensive linemen even in the portal, let alone you know guys that FSU's really pursued and then missed on. So I'm kind of just of the opinion, like, I don't know if FSU is going to be able to find their offensive lineman in the portal just because of the, the lack of supply. So um, I, I was being a little facetious with saying two because FSU mm-hmm. just lacks playmakers so badly, but then you have to also factor in who's still coming to campus, you know, Destin Hill and uh, the transfer wide receiver. Andrew, from Andrew Parchment. Andrew yeah. Parchment. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably going overboard on two wide receivers, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if they took one wide receiver and one offensive lineman. Would you? No, uh, or even like a really good running back, or or just a skill player, some infusion of of more explosiveness. Uh, I would be cool with. Yeah, and I'm not you saying pass it. on offensive lineman for wide receivers. Yeah, you're just saying. I think one scholarship got to be allocated to offensive lineman, and then the mm-hmm. other one is a BPA of like wide receiver. Maybe defensive end. Uh, maybe I don't think linebacker. I don't know Emmett Rice's duration, uh, but someone in the front seven. Let me just put it that way. Even if it's defensive tackle, um, a BPA. 
of, of a skill player or someone in the front seven. I, I'm a believer it should be an offensive tackle first and foremost and a DN. I think another yeah. starting quality DN would be very beneficial, especially if it's a guy that you can flip and use in either fashion. Oh my God. When Jermaine Johnson center. went down, when he went, when he went down in the spring game for that 10 seconds, I was like, oh, there yeah, goes, there goes the season. I mean, I think another DN with Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson, Derek McClendon gives you a nice top four. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you need four at that position. I agree. All right. One or two more. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. This is a good one, Josh. Uh, Byers Sinone. This is from Sunday Gold. Byers Sinone, FSU blue chip ratio for 2022 exceeds 50% on signing day. So we're talking about championship level com- competing uh, blue chip ratio for one class. Byers Sinone. I have no idea. I don't even, I'm not even, I, I've never even read that blue chip ratio article. What? What? Yeah. That's an alarming that Bud, re- that Bud retweets every five months. Well, right now it is 50%, correct? I, I believe they have two fives, two fours, and then four threes. So four, four and four, four and above, and three and less. So it's 50% right now. I think class trends pretty much in the same direction it currently is in to some degree. So I'll go with bye. But I think Bud, it will be very Bud close. Bud publishes that article like eight times a year. I got to read it once. It's significant. I mean, it matters. I, I'm not saying it doesn't. Teams that compete at the highest level have that. But FSU's not on the verge of competing at the highest level. There's an in-between where they need to get to to start working towards that. Can he publish it now that he's at – because he wrote it when he was at SB Nation. Now that he's at 24-7, how, how I think, does that get published? I think Bub, he just publishes it like eight times a year no matter what. <laughs> It's one of those things that comes out so often that that's why I don't read it because I'm like, yeah, he'll he'll put it out again in a month or two. I mean, basically, all you need to know is you go above fifty percent blue chip ratio. I think it is. Then you're. Uh, I'm not. Answers of winning a championship go up exponentially. Basically, you can't win it without that. Is what the st- stats say right okay. now. I can tell you right now, if Azu doesn't have enough blue chips to win a national title, they need more. Yeah, but if we're talking about for 2022, yes. Um. I don't know. There's nothing else. Oh, I got a buyer Sinone for you guys. Buyer Sinone. Oh, I got one for you. Okay, but go go for mine first because I'm gonna end. Well, mine's gonna be a good one to end the show on. You know, mine go will ahead. be controversial. Go ahead, Josh. Have at it. <laughs> All right, buyer Sinone. The FSU visitor list would have beaten the FSU roster in the spring game. Buyer Sinone. I'll go Sinone just because there's a lot to being a college football player. It's not solely based on talent. Also known, also known it, but I, I know where you're going with that, Josh. And, and uh, yes, FSU's needs more talent, and they had a lot of talent uh, that they were recruiting on campus. It'd be nice. If there was happened. more talent outside the stadium than there's talent inside the stadium. On the field, yeah. Yeah, from a, from a raw perspective, yeah. I'm yeah. buying that. Woo! <laughs> Zach comes out of woodwork for that one. Yeah, like he it. did. All right, all right, Zach, I got another one for you. Byer Sinone. Statues being anatomically correct animal statues being anatomically correct and having why are you so fixated on this (laughs) because you were with me and said yeah it's weird that this horse has a butthole right now or an area where a butthole would be and then and then all of a sudden chris and josh were like no and then you changed your mind you sinoned it and i want to put you on the spot now by or sinone are, are you a fan of statues animal statues being realistic uh anatomically in the, correct in the nether regions i'm not a fan of it no so you're sinoning it <laughs> yeah play the game right 
here's the enjoyable thing. If the statue was anatomically incorrect, Sinone would have an issue with that. So like the statue is in a no win situation. The entertaining thing for me was just the fact that for the whole two hours we were standing out there, Brendan Sinone was intimidated by the privates of a statue. I don't know if I was yeah. intimidated by it. I was. Oh, uh, you were intimidated. I'm I looking at the flaming spear and Sinone's out here looking at the other spear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Buyer Sinone, Andy Staples, pencil whipped Jeff Cameron. Buying it. I think, I think it was all Andrew. I mean, she, she dialed up that, that little wheel pattern at the end to, to say goodnight. Mm. That was as much as we criticized that on the front end. It was well executed on Saturday. Yep. It wasn't long and dragged out. It was enjoyable. It was fun. Team had fun with it. The they both wrote good stories. Cool. They both wrote good yeah. stories. Yeah, the, the, the power rate bath on the had its desired cool. effect. Yep. Yeah. So I was right. Josh was wrong. All right. Four I may, on the I bench. May have told, uh, I may have told Gene Deckerhoff on Thursday that good luck. You're going to need it because that's how disgruntled I was after Thursday. Chris practice. was very salty on Thursday. I was about to stick the landing and you ruined it. And now but this that's is why I'm, I'm here for you. You're I'm not here. You're awkward back. You are. You're not here for me. Five star reviews. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Oh my god. (laughs) Did I hit record? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.